Welcome back to American Scene, the show where we talk about movies with American in the title and what they have to say about American identity, culture, and values. My name is Ben Rosen. I'm Alan Austin. If you have anything you want to say about the show, any of our previous episodes, or anything we cover today, please connect with us on Twitter at AmericanScene underscore, on Instagram at AmericanScenePod, or send us an email at AmericanScenePod at gmail.com. Wow, uh, it's been a little while. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. The summer has come and gone, just like the film we're going to cover to kick off phase two, if you will, of our journey here covering the films of American cinema with American in the title. Yes, Alan is very excited to bring the uh, nomenclature of the MCU into our American Scene podcast. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy summer, uh, one crazy summer. Uh, out here in Oregon, it's been a hot one. Uh, and out where you are in New Jersey, it has been a wet one. So what better film to kick off phase two than wet, hot American summer? This is the... The 20th movie we're talking about, 20th, 21st, I, I can't remember, uh, but it is the uh, the 20th anniversary of, uh, of this film, uh, just a few weeks ago at uh, the end of July. The film came out in 2001, directed by David Wayne, written by Michael Showalter and David Wayne about the last day of summer camp in 1981, starring just a, a murderer's row of comic talent and uh, folks who would go on to be very big names, Janine Garofalo. David Hyde Pierce, Michael Showalter, Marguerite Moreau, Paul Rudd, Zach Orth, Chris Maloney, Molly Shannon, Ken Marino, Joe Lotrulio, Michael Ian Black, Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper, Elizabeth Banks, and minor appearances from Judah Friedlander, Two Timers Club, uh, and H. John Benjamin. Uh, it was absolutely yes. ignored at the time, made almost $300,000, later became a cult classic. Obviously, like we said, a, a ton of people in this movie just blew up. Yeah, I mean, we referenced these people as if they were then who they are now, which they weren't. A lot of them were no-names, UCB, improv people who got together with the comedy troupe that was Showalter, Ian Black, and Wayne. I believe they're, I don't know if they're called Stella, but they had the TV show Stella. Uh, yeah, these guys, I mean, Bradley Cooper's in this film, and he may have three lines, if that, for the entire movie. It's just a lot of people pre-superstardom. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't really going to happen for... A little while for a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, Amy Poehler started SNL the same year. So a lot of people were about to... Elizabeth Banks, essentially, I feel like auditioned for 40-year-old version just by showing casting directors this role because they're very similar parts. And, you know, even with barbecue sauce on her face, still a knockout, just like... It really is a, an all-star cast. A, a lot of people just completely committing to the bit. Uh, and yeah. a lot of this is just bits. A lot of this is just... Um... It's just... It's... Okay, I describe this film as a combination of Airplane, I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, Dazed and Confused, and a Lonely Island vignette. That's what this movie is. Like, you put all them in a soup, stir it up, that's what you're getting. Yeah, I definitely see that, for sure. It is... It, it's not a very good movie on, on as a whole, it doesn't really come together, uh, but there are a lot of different pieces that are that are hilarious. A lot of things work. Some parts of it are like it, I, I want to say it even starts kind of grounded in a way. Like the the begin of this opening kind of works as this sweet almost myth of the American sleepover kind of last day of summer, uh, and then it just goes absolutely absurd. Um, yeah, it, it it has so many hard lefts that it's hard to stay engaged in the film it's not it never once for an hour and however long it is it never once had me hooked it felt like a long hour and a half and it's not really a knock on the film it just didn't resonate with me that well and don't get me wrong i love absurd comedy i love like slapstick naked gun leslie nielsen love it all and i think the there are some really tiny bits that really make me laugh, but on the whole, the concepts, first of all, they subvert the joke 100% of the time. So 100% of the time, what you think will happen that you think won't happen, won't happen. So for example, when the two characters find out McKinley and Ben are gay, they go, hey, this is for you guys, and obviously it's going to be a gift. 
and they give them a gift. So it, it sets you up to the point where you know the obvious thing is not going to happen, thus making it obvious. Right. Right. Like every twist and turn is telegraphed too obviously that you know it's going to be the the alternate, ver- like what it would be in right. a joke. Right. Right. Like when they go to town, you immediately kind of know, oh, this this isn't going to just be like a fun time in town. Like they're going to end up doing heroin and all that stuff. We should talk about um, the the first thing I wanted to address is is the history of summer camp and how we got to this point in, in 1981 um, when this is what camp looks like. Uh, camp is is not exclusive to America, but did start in America, these organized uh, camps for young people in the late 19th century, early 20th century. And they were really meant to be, at first, a place where young people could go, specifically young men, to kind of learn, get, get in touch with nature and kind of learn to become you know, their, their masculine selves, you know, be, be at one with nature, learn how to, you know, make fire and, you know, and, and survive kind of thing. And then in the early 20th century, it kind of became, how do we preserve childhood? Uh, because, uh, you had World War One and the Great Depression. And so camp became this, this escape from urban America, also an escape from the, sort of femininity of the home since uh kids weren't you know working in the factories anymore there's a lot more downtime at home that had become sort of this feminine space so they wanted these young boys to go out uh into the world and just be their like kind of natural savage selves (laughs) um a lot like cub scouts and boy scouts and you know they kind of I guess filled that void in a more specific way as time went on. Yeah, I and and you see different kind of specific camps that have cropped up over the past, you know, 30, 40 years. Uh you have different versions of that in this film uh where you have the the musical theater and the drama students kind of that kind of camp or the nerds doing uh astronomy and and science experiments and things you even have like the circle of uh, people playing like electric guitar which was like maybe that was the inspiration for camp rock that came later who knows but i i didn't see as much reading about sort of what camp sort of the idea of what camp should be in the latter part of the 20th century but i did come across um this New York Times interview about the film uh, when it came out with Wayne and Showalter and and addressing why they said it in 1981 in the first place was it was kind of this like uh, limbo year, uh, the, the way they refer to it is this limbo year, like we're after Vietnam, we're after Watergate, but we're like pre-Reagan, pre like the AIDS epidemic, pre the crack ed- epidemic. So um, for them, it seemed like this this limbo year where like Maybe there is that preservation of childhood, that preservation of innocence right there. But of course, innocence being shot to hell uh, in in all sorts of different ways. But I guess my read of of the kind of camp experience that Wet Hot American Summer portrays is more to the more to the latter uh, of of how people saw it in in being this escape from uh, kind of the rigid rules of society. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. And I think there's two things we have to remember as audience members. One, don't overthink this movie. Like, we're talking about the in-depth history of camp, but when you're watching this film, A, don't overthink it, because the moment you start thinking about how Janine Garofalo's Beth is bad at her job, you've ruined it for yourself. Not the point of the movie. Don't overthink it. And two, all these people we named, minus David Hyde Pierce and... Janine Garofalo, they are the adults, but every actor we named is playing a 15 or 16 or 17-year-old counselor. And once you remember that, this movie is about their growing up experience. It's very hard to identify it, but the movie is not at all about the kids in this movie. It's about the counselors. And as a former camp counselor, I could say that modern day camp is nothing more than babysitting at least in my experience. So you've definitely lost the art of survival skills and natural, you know, uh, habitat kind of mentality. It's more, where can I drop my kids off? Are they going to run around for a couple hours while I go to work while it's summer? But definitely remember kids, especially some of my Jewish friends, 
tales of Jewish camp excursions, which I think this is implied to be a Jewish camp. So is it ever outright said or is it just they always name Jewish kids and you're supposed to put it together? Yeah, it, it was based on uh, their experiences at Camp Showalters and Wayne's uh, experiences at, uh, at a Jewish summer camp. Yeah. My point is, it seems like the Jewish camp culture is that of legend. Alex Alchase talk about it. Uh, and there are other people Hannah too. Globus, yeah, I mean, she she has just like yeah, and and I never had that experience. Not not because I'm not Jewish, but just because my parents, you know, my mom didn't always work as a kid, so I didn't need to go to camp. I think I would go to baseball camps, but they were never like this. They were never this experience. They were very particular and not necessarily well-rounded. So where I was a camp counselor was a literal recreation camp. They went swimming. We played kickball. We played tag. Ate lunch. Parents picked them up. There was no teaching. There was no lessons. In fact, one thing that's very authentic is just how mean counselors are. That is very real and it's very sad, but such is life for people that are Getting paid to do a job at 15, 16, 17, sometimes 18 years old in that environment. Yeah, I think the only survival skill I probably learned at camp was swimming. I want to say that I learned sort of the basics, you know, and and could whatever tread water before I started going to day camp. And and to be clear, the Jewish camp that I went to was a day camp. It was not a sleepaway camp. Um, I went to like one week of a sleepaway camp one year. Um, but I was never like a lot of uh, my friends kind of pushed into like signed up for these sleepaway camps like hours and hours away in different places in yeah. in New England. Um, so I, I don't have that experience. Uh, there, there's a place that I went for a few years in a row, also for just a week, just a few days, uh, called Club Getaway uh, in Kent, Connecticut. Uh, named as one of Smithsonian's like top 20 small towns in America from like 2018 or 2019 or something like that. A town that we did go into. So that that moment in the film uh, hit home because I was like, yeah, going into town was super exciting. And there wasn't much there, but we, we did it all. <laughs> <laughs> you you did tell me off air that that was your favorite sequence in the film. That, that and then just in terms of moments that really resonated for me was when Ken Marino's character just publicly sticks his hand down his pants in his introductory scene i was like yeah for whatever reason every male camp counselor that i had when i was at a a soccer camp constantly playing with their balls constantly and i'm like yeah i'm nine what what is happening here (laughs) yeah it wasn't more like i'm nine this is inappropriate it's more like why are they doing that i'm nine i don't understand why they're doing that i'm a boy like yeah it's just a thing that happens when you get older it's like a a safety net for for men to just keep you know their hands down there like al bundy yeah these guys were what 16 17 and just like but there's that cool guy move where you rest your hand in the front of your waistband it's like a cool guy move that wasn't it their hand was their hands were fully down their pants anyway but i think if you talk to friends who have spent time at jewish summer camps very universal kind of experience very similar across place to place and i think the representation of camp here is even in its absurdity pretty accurate where it's like oh yeah some kids are at arts and crafts all day some kids are just like there's one big game of capture the flag like some kids are off doing this thing it's very structureless my week at club getaway would be like oh yeah we're gonna go play like human pinball and be like strapped into this inflatable thing you could go just be at the at the shorefront at the lake all day you could go on the banana boat but let, you could climb this rock wall it was all so random and uh and yeah so not far off i would say at all no definitely have the uh the tropes the the clicks all represented well even the like garofalo character who's bad at her job there are many camp directors who are clueless and do not know how to manage camp you know it's it's very very specific and and pretty accurate for sure but yeah one thing i i do notice and one thing that even in that new york times interview they recognize this was this was back in 2001 was the encroachment of like new technology at camp and 
I think you see that creeping in in this movie as well, where like on the on the hike, the, the kids are all uh, holding like they, they look like early Game Boys or like some kind of electronic thing. Like, with, I don't know if it was a Walkman or something like that, because the Game Boy didn't come out until the late 80s. So I don't know what that was. Um, and then like Artie's hosting this show, even though none of the wires are plugged in. But like there is this this thinning disconnection between the urban and the rural which was the whole point of camp in the first place was like to allow kids to be in this very natural state without the kind of rules of society but i think you can see the the that that um that difference that distinction is kind of waning here and i'm sure you see it in in today's camps as well i mean everybody's probably got a a smartphone with them and you know with that uh i think some of those social structures do remain you know you see like the the cool girls not wanting to talk to the kid who plays D uh or like all the indoor kids are are you know when david high pierce walks in looking for the uh the table of indoor kids that's that's what he yeah. refers to them as you know so um kind of segmenting each group into the cliques that would have existed in uh in their normal day-to-day world so i, I thought that was interesting too i agree Okay, simple as that. We can we can move on. <laughs> well, I mean, the first thought that comes to mind for me when when you talk about this isn't necessarily anything about the movie. It's just that like I always am one to be like, man, I wish I didn't have a smartphone, but at the same time, I'm really glad I do. So it's kind of like this bittersweet piece of technology. I think for kids it's different though because I mean, one great thing about being without it and going to a place like camp is like, yeah, how do I do things without the the convenient pieces of technology but also how does technology change the way in which i relate to the world and to other people um so all that to say i just thought it was uh interesting how they kind of um picked up on that and and added that as a as a very small element even even just in those brief moments that i mentioned like when they're on the hike uh, I was like, yeah, of course, kids would bring their Game Boys. I'm, pr- I'm sure I brought my Game Boy and brought my, you know, my Discman, you know, to to camp. I used to bring my, I used to bring my Walkman everywhere I went, and I tried running with it. It would always skip. Ugh, what a pain in the butt. We sound like old men right now, but it is what it is. <laughs> oh man, I can. In fact, I can tell you, I for sure carried around the first Jason Mraz album at camp. And played it like back to back, back like all through camp. What was that summer of '03? I want to say. Wow. Oh man. oh man. That's the one with the two guys were having coffee and talking about something. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, that was my favorite imitation of the remedy ever. <laughs> yeah, the remedy. Uh, that's yeah. it. Great, great stuff. Um, let's focus back in on this film per se because there's a lot to unpack. Well, there's here. another couple things that I think are so interesting that this film does especially towards like the latter half uh riffing on camp movies as a whole um yes there's a, the montages all of it all the yeah the training montage is like the, all the all the dancing is like very dirty dancing um david wayne obviously very well known for doing these kind of loving pastiches like you know he do, he had children's hospital and newsreaders on tv and another feature i don't know did you ever watch uh, they came together no I watched They Came Together earlier uh, this summer, actually, while I was home, and it is a very, like, charming parody. Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. Um, I remember you talking about it. It's it's a very charming parody of New York City rom-coms. Right. You said it was okay. It's, it's a lot like this movie where- um, Very predictable, I think was your- I remember now you specifically talking about watching this movie and how everything was telegraphed and you could kind of fill in the blanks. There was no real drama or intrigue, but it was like pleasant enough. Well, I mean, it kind of has to be predictable because it is falling into the romantic comedy structure, right? In a way that like Wet Hot American Summer does not fall into any structure because it's completely all over the place. So in a way, Wet Hot is the better movie because it does kind of just zig and zag wherever it wants to go uh but uh it it, towards the end of the movie it just feels like uh i'm kind of exhausted by the idea of it you know that the the parody kind of wears out its welcome after a while although i do think the talent show scene is one of the better ones in the movie oh yeah and they've got the uh the borscht belt comic which is just like 
okay, that's probably the biggest indicator that it's a Jewish summer camp, although we, <laughs> we never had anybody like that. Um, but they, they literally say straight from the Catskills, it's whatever his name is. Yeah. Yes, which the Catskills, the history of the Catskills and, and comic talent that came out of the Catskills in the, uh, the mid 20th century, just like it, any, any name, any famous comic from, uh, yeah. uh, from history. And, and they, they came out of there. Um, yeah. but, uh, definitely in the eighties and nineties, you had camp movies. They're, they're like a, a genre unto themselves. Uh, do, do you know any, any camp movies that's, uh, well, I mean, as someone who dabbles in horror, you know, Friday the 13th are like, that series, especially the first, I'd say, three to four, if you want to get... It's three. It's the first three are based at, you know, in a camp and the all the counselors. But, you know, I know it's like we're talking about older movies, but Heavyweights is one of my favorites. Um, Salute Your Shorts, the television show, one of my favorites. And recently, the Fear Street trilogy, going back to horror, the second piece based in 1976, was set in a summer camp. And that was a wonderful representation of summer camp as well. So, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I, I have wrote up this list. Uh, Heavyweights is one. I didn't think about Salute Your Shorts, but so good. Uh, the Parent Trap, both versions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Meatballs franchise, which I was only familiar with the first Meatballs film, which I can remember watching or kind of watching on a bus going to Club Getaway. <laughs> Uh, so just kind of layers upon layers of, of camp stuff going on there. Uh, camp Nowhere, It Takes Two, Troop Beverly Hills, Ernest Goes to Camp, But I'm a Cheerleader, Little Darlings, Adam's Family Values, Gorp, movie I'd never heard of, uh, Summertime Switch. Uh, camp- was that, a, that was a Disney movie, I think. Summertime Switch was um, the uh, Ryder Strong from Boy Meets Worlds. And a young black actor whom, whose name I do not know, but they have the same name and somehow they get switched and like uh, the rich white kid goes to like this um, uh, a juvenile like uh, uh, rehabilitation kind of camp and the black kid goes to the rich camp. Great movie. Love it. You know, uh, what was that movie with Taj Maori and Shia LaBeouf for the Disney Channel? Hounded. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I could do a whole, like, I'm sure the podcast about <laughs> Disney Channel original movies already exists, but I know so many of them. Anyway, uh, Camp Cucamonga was another one. The Babysitter's Club, which I didn't realize was a camp movie. I uh, had to double check on that. And, and of course, Dirty Dancing, which is more of a family camp family, uh, more in the vein of, because uh, they, they, they do go to the Catskills. They, right? they directly reference that film in this one, in Wet Hot American Summer. So... Yeah. Clear shout out, clear homage, if you will, to Dirty Dancing. Yeah, and and a lot of the ideas of these kinds of of movies are in there. Uh, plus, you know, it fits in the idea of summer love, which is you know well worn territory in in films. A lot of these kinds of films, and also just other kind of summer movies, like when you know when the summer ends, will I ever see you yeah. again? Uh, and you know, one idea in, in thinking of you know, coming of age and and uh, evolving as as camp was kind of intended to do. I think here in this film, it's more of like a social evolution, you know, as opposed to like any some any kind of education or like like academic evolution. It's more like, uh, uh, you know, will will I grow into uh, a more social being? Will I break out of my shell in some way? Find love, uh, find heartbreak, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. Um... Like, this film is almost referencing so much other than camp that it's sometimes, you know, there's that whole scene where Ken Marino and Joe, what's his name? Joe LaTrulio. Joe LaTrulio, who I love. Sorry, I don't remember his name, but I just think of him as the guy from I Love You, Man, the with the high-pitched squeak. Um, where He's they're, great. They're, also they're great on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, they're having a chase scene on the highway with the motorcycle and the bale of hay. It's just so, for an absurd movie, it doubles up on the absurdity. And it's just like, I don't know what they were, they're they're obviously going for these chase scenes. They're, They're trying to reference every imaginable thing. It almost feels like the creators were like, we may never make another movie. So we're getting all the bits in. 
And that's what they went for. Like, there's a lot of references in this film to more than just camp. Yeah. And camp yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus they bring in the idea of like other summer movies, summer blockbusters, kinds of things that you would see in the theaters because they have the whole like whatever Independence Day Armageddon deep oh, impact yeah. kind of, you know, some, some crazy thing is falling from the sky and it's going to land right on the camp and we have to divert it. And it's this very like high intensity kind of thing. I, I didn't know what the, um, the guy with the supernatural powers was supposed to be parodying. Uh, is that like a carry vibe? I, I, I couldn't really figure My, out if that was a reference to something, but I, I was guessing maybe carry or maybe just the simple joke that this kid is weird and he has superpowers, like flat out. Mm. Like maybe you never know. You always ignore the weird kid. You always give him grief, but he's the one who might, you know, benefit the world in a certain way or really be special. Or you may take them for granted, but once you get to know them, you really see what they they have to offer. I think it was more of just a general kind of concept. Well, in any case, like yeah, the the idea of uh, the end of a summer movie having some kind of crazy climactic you know, blow you away kind of uh, a sequence. It, it has that uh, in, in a couple different ways. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, one thing I will say about the characters in this movie, except for a specific bit, they are all very, they, they're kind of bullying, but they're all very supportive of each other. Like they're always cheering when Gene, the, 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 the uh, chef has his inspirational speech. I put that in quotes. Everyone's rooting him on. Well, thank all of you for a terrific summer. Cooking for all you nice people has uh, really helped me get over the fact that I fought in the Vietnam War. Have a great winter. I'm going to go hump the fridge. What? Yes, folks, it's true. I said I'm going to go hump the fridge. What you may not know is I also own a bottle of dick cream and I fondle my sweaters and I often like to smear mud on my ass. You're probably asking yourselves, isn't he a weirdo? Outcast. Loose cannon. Maybe, I don't think so. I want to introduce you guys to someone. This is my friend. I don't know who he is, but I do know this. At a time when I was trying to hide myself from myself, he was there to show me a new way. Because I couldn't hide from him. And I could be proud of who I am. I put it to you. Campfire wood as we spend the last dinner together. Be proud of who you are. Look at me, my eyes made it, I'm okay! This movie is a happy movie. So, and, and I love, as someone who played Dungeons and Dragons, needing to roll a d20 to save the world is one of the funniest little bits. And when they say... You really think it was because of that and not because of the gust of wind. And David Hyde Pierce says, yes, I really think that in this movie's logic, that's true. Like if they didn't roll a D20, all of this would have went to hell. So just consistency with the bits, David Hyde Pierce's character. At first, I didn't because his first scene is screaming at Janine Garofalo. And I thought maybe maybe he the actor doesn't quite get it. But by the end, he's rolling like he's cooking on all cylinders. I love David Hyde Pierce in this. I, and I was just thinking, as you mentioned, Janine Garofalo again, and uh, the whole scene where Ken Marino goes goes missing and like he hasn't come yeah. back to camp. I was thinking, um, yeah, Friday the 13th, those first three movies and Fear Street, I guess I haven't checked that out yet. Um, there are plenty of horror movies that are set at camp or some yeah. kind of summer getaway or something like this. And I didn't see that parodied here. But now that I think about it, the scene where Janine Garofalo and uh, I, I forget who's with her, uh, Joe Latrulio. It's Joe Latrulio. Yeah, yeah. Go, go into the, oh my God, the only other phone is in the nurse's office. And, we and have it's to, hanging and off they, the hook. You left campers alone on the river. Look, only Victor knows how to navigate those rapids. We got to find him and get him back to that river. It's him, Victor. Victor, Victor. I got him. I got him. Where is he? He's calling from 
<laughs> it's a great moment. And, and then, yeah, so yeah, that, there you go. That's the horror parody right there. Yeah. No, it's it. there's a lot. There's a lot in here. And I have not watched the television shows. I know there's been two seasons, and one is based the day after, and one is based 10 years after, if I'm not mistaken. One is the first day of camp. One the of first the next summer. Yeah, no, of of that summer. Oh, when they so all it's, meet, it's a prequel. So to speak? It's a prequel. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Does Bradley Cooper come back for the show? I can't remember, but there is a bit in this that I didn't realize was like a bit until I was reading more about the movie. So I don't know if you realize that all of Artie, the uh, PA's, uh, sort of the the radio announcer, all his stuff was dubbed over. Really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all ADR by uh, uh, Sam Levine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. from uh, Freaks and Geeks. Right. So, uh, first of all, I didn't realize that it was uh, that it had been dubbed over. So, in rewatching the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I can see that. And then in thinking about it, because I know the kid who played that same kind of role in the first day of camp show, and all of his lines were dubbed over uh, by some so other just... actor. So, it's just a bit that they rolled with. They were like, we're just going to dub over this guy's lines. I thought like and poor kid like they thought his performance was so bad that they had to dub over all his lines no 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 it's just a bit <laughs> it's a bit for the first kid it's a bit for both of them well i figured that the second role, would piggyback but okay right that role w- whenever it shows up in the in the wet hot franchise <laughs> their lines are going to be dubbed over and that's the joke gotcha okay all right a lot of yeah. bits a lot it's of bits layers layers um, uh, there's a really sweet, there's a couple sincere scenes, the, the, the gay wedding ceremony, beautiful scene and really funny where Michael Ian Black's in his regular camp clothes, just skipping through the woods. And the next time they see him full garb, full ceremony. Like, I like that kind of airplane humor, but there's a lot of really nice scenes. Uh, the scene also where Coop and Margaret the, Moreau, the K- Katie, is it Katie? A Katie. Yeah. Yeah, they're talking about like hooking him up with a girl and he's kind of joking with her about all the experiences he's had sexually. That's a really cute scene as well. So there's a lot of really nice cute moments. The 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 scenes where David Hyde Pierce and Janine Garofalo are are clicking are really cute. And my gosh, if my favorite scenes in the movies in the movie aren't Molly Shannon and the kids. Just love them. <laughs> I the first time I wa- I rewatched it, I was like, "This kid's actually really good," and like he's yeah. putting in he's putting in some great stuff. The second time I rewatched it, I was like, "Gets fast forward." I'm so wow. exhausted by this. Yeah, I really didn't like it because that kid is my favorite character in the movie. Is he's, he's the only kid that I mean? There, there are some nerds who get a little uh, screen time, but he gets like a full arc. He's, he's engaged by the end of the movie. He gets a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's a lot of great stuff in this movie as a whole. It doesn't come and, together. And but so let me ask you: You said it's not a good movie. Why? Well, I don't want to say it's. You know, I don't want to make that sort of qualitative statement. I don't think for me, uh, it doesn't come together in the way that I feel like other quintessential camp movies do, like The Heavyweights, like The Parent Trap. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw Summertime Switch, but they just felt more, I don't know, uh, cohesive at the end. I feel like I feel like it does work as a series. I feel like it really did work. I really enjoyed First Day of Camp. Um, one thing that I, I really would have liked in this movie that they didn't do until they did uh, a first day of camp was include David Wayne playing that traditional like Israeli counselor who's there for the summer and he's fucking phenomenal and just like so I was like yeah I knew that guy yeah he was the well, kind I of see. too cool for school foreigner just great yeah I also didn't think it was a good movie but I also didn't hate it like it's just like it's a long hour and a half, and there's some bits that just don't click for me, but there's also some that do. And the ones that stand out, like I have a whole litany of notes, but I really like the airplane style, naked gun style bits. Mainly, David Hyde Pierce and Janine Garofalo are at the library, and the sections of each other's interests are right across from each other. And when David Hyde Pierce wins the Hawkins Award or whatever, and it's just a regular trophy, and he hands it to someone off screen, loved it cackled oh all the tossing things off screen and having like a a a clay pot break just (laughs) fantastic yes 
like I said, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in it. It's just it's 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 almost too much, you know. And the what is it? The JJ character and the I forget who the other character are. The kind of more like horn dog characters traditionally horn like just just bit players that would have been fun yeah. to like actually see them do something other than just kind of be around for everyone else's story. Yeah, there's a lot of weird hard lefts in this movie. Uh, Paul Rudd whose character is probably the heel in the movie, the bad guy. He murders two kids and sends two packing into God knows where. And when it first happened, it's one of the more blatant, extreme bits to happen in the film, I would say. Like, it's one of the hardest lefts they take, because it's before the full film's gone full absurd. The first time he kills a kid and throws him throws another kid out the van, I was, like, taken aback. And then the second time they did it, I was laughing out loud. So I think the movie also, like, I think maybe if I were a diehard fan of them and watched it four or five times, I think it'd be like, I'd be in. And I think that's where its cult status came from. Yeah, I, I guess you rewatch it for those bits that you love and just like, oh, if it's on TV, you're like, oh, this part's coming up. Like, let me let me stick around to that. And then it is just, it is, it did feel to me also like a long 90 minutes, but it's only 90 minutes. Um, I, I think, you know, I knew a guy like Paul Rudd also, who was a camp counselor who was like hot, cool, like, but also why is he in charge of kids? Like he clearly just right. doesn't, he's not here for that, you know? Uh, so, uh, and then just the, the movie just asks like, well, why is he here? And if he's in charge of kids, like he's just a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I um, think he's, I think he's just, just a cocky dumbass. Yeah. And the scene where, again, as soon as Coop goes up to Katie at the end of the film and he's like, can't wait to see you, you knew she was going to be like, never mind. And then I laughed out loud when Paul Rudd's dad and his old like Buick with Paul Rudd in the back seat goes, let's go. Laughed out loud. So like <sighs> it, it's it's got its moments for sure. And some of them are American. Yes. We should. Do you think we should? Um, should we get into our American moments? playing our song why don't you kick us off well the film kicks us off with with an american moment right i mean the title card is one of the most american we've seen since since probably american flyers we don't have uh in american flyers we had the title card over an image of an american flag here the title card is an american flag uh so that's that's my first one right off the top yeah i'm i'm gonna stick in that scene the whole idea of hanging around the campfire eating s'mores smoking doobies drinking beers that's pretty like outdoorsy american you know midwest fun right there everywhere fun also references one of the greatest american films of all time jaws one of my favorite films of all time uh yeah a, a, a perfect movie I, I would go so far as to say it's 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 in my top 10 and if you ask gall 85 movies gall my wife 85 movies are in my top 10 jaws is in my top 10 that's funny that's funny we'll do that'd be a fun another idea for a fun podcast you're like my top 10 movies of all time but it's 85 <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into it. my top 10 movies coming in at number 85 um what have you got next Oh, I uh, all the Vietnam War stuff, just like brief yeah. references. I mean, just on the nose being like, I was in Nam, you know, and this is 1981. So, you know, not too far removed from it. Um, and then also the can played by H. John Benjamin saying we had no business being there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, my next American moment is Gene's announcement in the room comes in front of a draped uh, flag, which seems to have some significance. I don't know if it was like an Olympic flag. I don't know if it was like... But it seems to have some significance that I don't know, but it is an American flag in front of the inspirational speech. It's it's red, white, and blue. And I think what this was were just like years of camp had their own flags that everybody would sign. That's what it looked like. Gotcha. Uh, but it wasn't like the style of like a Philadelphia 76ers kind of thing. But also 76, year, year yeah. of this country's yeah. birth. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I picked that one out. Uh, let's see. Uh, the we didn't talk about this as as riffing on camp movies, but the uh, culminating climactic baseball game. Oh, amazing subvert! That's the thing. Sometimes they really work, and that one that one got me. That one popped me because I 
laughed so hard. And when Coop comes back, he's like, they're cool with it. No one wants to do it anyway. Like, it was so funny. As everybody knows, today is the big culminating climactic softball game against evil Camp Tiger Claw. Boo! We have put together an unlikely team of misfits, and we've been training like crazy all summer. Yeah, it's a motley crew that you'd think would never even be able to win a single game. We had a kooky training period where it seemed like, well, it seemed like nothing was gonna go right, but guys, somehow we made it to the finals. So I say, when those anonymously evil campers from Tiger Claw get here, we give it our best shot, and we try to come from behind at the last minute with some weird trick play that we made up, and we win the game. What do you say, team? It sounds like pretty well-worn territory. The whole thing feels kind of trite. I say we forget it. Is that how everybody feels? Yeah. yeah. Pretty fine. Yeah. Well, it's fine with me. I can... So listen, um... So funny. All the camp announcements. Capture the flag. Dinner. Great. I, I knew you'd like the baseball. And for, for <laughs> once, we, we picked it out t- together. Yes. I think there were a couple of movies where you missed the, the baseball references. So I wanted to make sure I touched on that. Yeah, I'm horrified. Um, yeah, that's it for me off the top. You said the baseball one, and that's that's it for the blatant, because a lot of the camp stuff we kind of went over, just American values and going out and learning and this, that, and the other thing. Also, really great joke, Ken Marino saving the raft full of kids from Joe's, Joe Latrulia's perspective. Phenomenal. Well, that scene also, uh, one thing I forgot to mention in the kind of riffing on these summer movies, but like the heroic, you know, swoops in at the end of the day, I guess, is that like a Swiss Family Robinson kind of, I, I don't, whatever, um, th- these kind of similar kind of disaster movies where like this this devastating thing is about to happen and saved at the last minute by by some random act of, of heroism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a few other American moments. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to be funny. Uh, heroin use in small town America. It's true. Listen, you know, we, we had to go there. Uh, raising the American flag, of course. There's always an American flag. You had the the one in the lunchroom uh, that Gene was doing his speech in front of. But they do, of course, at the beginning of camp every day for me. As it was, was did they raise the flag for you as well? No, because it was at a, uh, it was in town at the town pool. So the flag was just always up. It was just oh there. okay that makes sense yeah. that makes sense yeah. yeah no this was at my Jewish community center and it was a you know run by run by the the JCC uh, but every morning we would raise uh, I want to say both flags the both the American flag and the and the Israeli flag uh, so there was that um, speedboats just feels very American speedboats sure uh, <laughs> I wrote a culturally appropriative wedding ceremony question mark. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I wasn't entirely sure. I wasn't entirely sure if it was because I don't know what culture it is. Well, you should educate yourself then, Ben. Just because you're white doesn't mean you shouldn't learn about other cultures. Gosh. Just yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm excusing my ignorance. I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, the only non-white person in the movie, I'm pretty sure winning the athletic competition. I is that the capture of the flag where they're running across? Oh, but it looks like a, 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 an Olympic runner. Yeah, it's yeah, which is hilarious to me. Uh, I I don't know what country's colors that were. It was like green was and it yellow. Jamaica? Green it looked like Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was relevant for 1981. I should have looked that up. The 1980 Olympics. Usain Bolt was way after. So. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, that's that would make sense. Yeah, Usain Bolt would have been way after, but also <laughs> then Wet Hot was like way ahead of the curve on that. Or or Jamaica's just been really good at running track forever. That's a good point. I should another thing I should educate myself on. Uh, and lastly, a bald eagle screech leading into a training montage. Per- I missed that, but perfect. Only, only caught it on my second time watching it. Uh, as Gene is like, we gotta, 
we we got to turn you into a man or whatever he says to Coop. Um, oh yeah. Also, the absolute just like exuberant tears. Not exuberance, not the right word. Just it, when Coop goes off crying because Katie decided to stay with uh, Paul Rudd, his face is just covered. It's just wet. <laughs> but I okay. So the song that's used there is not real. No, it's real. What's well, oh, higher and higher? I'm not, I, I we're talking. I'm talking about when she dumps him and he goes and steps in the bucket, and like the thing falls on his head. There's there's a real song playing there. And I want to, God, what is the song? There are some great songs on this soundtrack that I will, of course, add to the Spotify playlist. So please tune into the Spotify playlist. Tell Ben to add it to the to the playlist. I'm going to tell you right now because I think this song is hard in my heart, and to me, it is the best beat with the worst lyrics. Like I love the the sound of that song, but the the lyrics I could be like whatever about. But gosh, is that not good? Like, love it. <laughs> Between my Jason Mraz and that, I should just go into like cover, like doing covers. Like, you know, I, I'm going to see you at karaoke <laughs> night one of these days. This is going to be great. Uh, yeah, great soundtrack. A uh, couple songs on here. Of course, Jane, Jefferson Starship, that that's, kicks off the movie, uh, which yeah. they continued into the TV series, which is just just a wonderful uh, uh, way to kick off a movie. Um, we got our guy. Our guy's in this movie. Loggins and Messina is Kenny Loggins. Has a song in this. Yes, Danny's he does. Song. Yeah, yeah. Very excited about that. And then I love Turn Me Loose, which I came onto my Spotify like randomly. I was just like, on a shuffle playlist or whatever uh that song came on i'm like wait i know this song why do i know this song that's a great one during the uh, chase the random chasing yeah no it's 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 look if you're buying into it it, it's fun and i know like i would never like gall my wife was kind of watching as i was watching and she's like what is this and what is it about and when you're only half watching it doesn't make any sense so if you're if you want to watch a wet hot American summer, buckle up. And all of these moments, everything that they decide to throw in here, there's some kernel of truth to it. You yeah. know, some some if you've ever been to any kind of camp, this this resonates. I'm shocked there wasn't a literal kitchen sink bit in this movie. You mean that they threw in everything in the kitchen sink? Yes, yes. There, yeah. there was a lot. Blink and you miss it. With a lot of stuff. I mean, Bald Eagle Screech, for sure. I missed that, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even talk about Bradley Cooper, who's, who's this is our second Bradley Cooper film, two of yeah. three. Uh, but, uh, yeah, doesn't get a lot to do. Commits to the role, though. Yeah. A male kiss. A male know, sex or, scene. Yeah. And he goes for it. Do you want to get into our ratings? Oh, yes, of course. I forgot to I forgot to write this down. You you, you start, and I'll, I'll come up with one. Sure. I will so out of four, I will give this. It's tough. I'm torn, Ben, between two and a half and three, because it really does live or die with who you are as an audience member. So I'm going to give this two and a half to be safe. Cans of mixed veggies. Sure, that's that's where my mind went to as well. That as a as a uh, a, a thing to uh, a symbol, a of... representative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mentioned the speedboat, so I'll say. Uh, but but I'm going to take it one further. I'm not going to say a speedboat. I'm going to give it two and a half banana boats. Okay. We used to that was that was like the thing a club getaway. You'd, you'd go on the back of the have this. But did you ever have a banana boat? Is that that's what we called it? I don't know even that's the right we term didn't for it. Really go out on a lake or anything. We had the town pool, and literally the counselors stood against the ropes, and no one could pass them. That was their job. Believe me, it was cold some days, but we had to be out there. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I liked when I got a little seniority, and the younger camp counselors had to do that. That was fun. Sweet. Yeah. Before awesome. we sign off, though, I just want to say, you know, we're covering a comedy. Today is one of the saddest days in my life as my personal comic icon passed away today. And Norm MacDonald, at the time of this recording, passed away today. 61 years old, private battle with cancer, a la Chadwick Boseman's announcement. Just, 
I cried for an hour at my desk at work, just sobbing uncontrollably. This guy is my favorite. I I wouldn't say he's my favorite stand-up comedian per se. He's my favorite comedic personality, mainly for his talk show appearances and just reckless reckless behavior not in not in a mean way just like he didn't care he was fearless he was balls to the wall and the fact that he didn't tell anyone he was sick is so on brand for who norm mcdonald is that's what he wanted that's how he went out he lived life his way i am truly heartbroken but of course in times like this you have to remind yourself that you're thankful you got to experience his art and abilities while he was on this earth so rest in peace, Norm MacDonald, a truly tragic day, and I'm devastated. A very loving tribute to a very, very talented man. I did not have quite the same connection that, that you did with him. My first, uh, I, I first saw him in Billy Madison, <laughs> uh, and, I've, and uh, you've shared things with me, uh, the talk show appearances and things like that. Uh, he's, he's wonderful, and I know he is very much beloved, and, uh, and he will definitely be missed. All the tributes that came out today, all of your favorite comedians, he was one of their favorite comedians. So the guy's one of the wittiest, driest, not going to care if you laugh or not. He's going to roll with the bit. And my favorite weekend update anchor that SNL has ever had, mainly because mm. he told jokes to make himself laugh. And if you were in on the joke with him, there was no one better. Oh, also his uh, Celebrity Jeopardy appearances. <laughs> as on Reynolds. snl yes yes yeah fantastic fantastic yeah so those those are the two uh my my touch points for uh norm mcdonald and if you think about those celebrity jeopardy real alex trebek real sean connery real burt reynolds norm mcdonald all no longer with us so wow. a lot of that segment is dying off and i'm glad we had it in the first place yeah so Sorry to end it on such a sad note, but we're talking about comedies. I, I got the Hugh Grant, and I was Gaga for Goggins. So someone who's even more so influential to me, Norm MacDonald passed away. I had to say something, because I don't think we're going to be able to cover him on this show. I think the most American movie he probably did was The People vs. Larry Flint, and that does not have American in the title. So rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Absolutely. And that is a wrap on Wet Hot American Summer. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating, leave a positive review. You can give us your unfiltered opinion on Twitter at AmericanScene underscore. And if you'd like to follow either of your patriotic co-hosts, I'm Ben Rosen on Twitter at NotThatBenRosen. I'm Alan Austin at Alan underscore Austin underscore. And we'll see you next time.